0: Štan an indó askeige e
1: Táim imíchttaí e dhéhsachcht ar end of chacht a máchan seo gur féidir é chor iúigh ceart lena win
0: féin. Skilti fis Turmi. Tá sé ara
1: igornamion fracht
2: If you like the Indo-Daily, you can follow us on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: It was a crime that shocked two nations. A young woman, walking home alone from a night out with work colleagues, vanishes into thin air.
0: Let's bring you to Victoria now, and the search is continuing for a Melbourne woman who disappeared at the weekend.
3: Jill Ma works for the ABC and hasn't been seen since she left a bar in the suburb of Brunswick on Saturday morning. Her husband um, has spoken, Tom Ma, he's spoken to the
1: media about how desperate the family is to find her. Here's uh, what on, he yes. said to us yesterday. So we're
0: obviously really worried, and uh, we just um, we'd love to anyone who has any, any information at all or has, you know, knows anything about that night to um, so just contact us for the police.
1: It was six days before everybody's worst fears came to pass. A period during which emotions built up before spilling onto the streets of Melbourne
3: tens of thousands of people marched down the main street in victoria the main street in melbourne on a communal outpouring of grief anger and shock and this was a crowd that stretched out for more than a kilometer with you know families with children couples people holding handmade signs you know that read no violence and remember jill Mar." and the feeling now is that she will not be forgotten
1: i'm kevin doyle And today on the Indo-Daily, we look back at the story of Gilmar. Joining me is Early Walsh, reporter with Nine News in Australia. But first, the Irish independence, Ellen Coyne. Ellen Coyne, tell me about Gilmar.
2: So Jill McKeown, as she was known under her maiden name, always known as Gillian to her parents, grew up in Drogheda, County Louth. She had uh, one younger brother, Michael. And in 1990, when she was about seven years old, the family moved to Australia. Um, Her father had just gotten a job in Perth and the whole family resettled there. And by all accounts, um, they loved Australia. Her and her brother were thriving over there. Um, And later on in the 90s, uh, the family briefly came back to Ireland, which proved to be very lucky for Jill, because that's where she met Tom Marr in 2001. Um, The couple fell in love. By all accounts, they were besotted with each other. And um, a few years later in 2008, they got married. Um, After that, Jill obviously still had a very strong connection to Australia, having spent so much of her life growing up there. So the pair of them decided that they'd move over to Melbourne. They settled in an area of Melbourne, a small neighbourhood known as Brunswick. And Jill got a job at a radio station called ABC Melbourne.
1: ABC is effectively the RTE of Australia in many ways. And this was, I suppose, the Melbourne office of that.
2: Exactly. And she'd only been there for uh, for less than a year when she died. But by all accounts, she was very, very popular. Um, she had a lot of friends in the area. Um, and as we know, it was a night out for a colleague's birthday um, in 2012 on tw- September 22nd, which is the reason that all of us know Jill Marie's name today.
1: And there was nothing particularly special about that night out, Ellen. It was, and perhaps this is why it struck such a chord with so many people both here and in Australia, was it was entirely normal after work drinks
2: nearly mundane like the thing a thing that any of us would do without really thinking on a Friday or Saturday night they went out for drinks together and then as the night went on a smaller group kind of moved on to a pub near Sydney Road in Brunswick so that would be like a huge road at one end of it it would be really really busy loads of um, pubs and restaurants and then further down the road closer to where Jill and Tom lived in an apartment it was more a commercial area uh, with lots of wedding dress shops and boutiques which would be very Busy during the day, but late at night, obviously, when all those shops are closed, it would be quite quiet and a little bit deserted.
1: And so, tell me what happened.
2: So Jill left Um, It was her and another friend Who were in I think drinking in a hotel At that point The friend offered To walk her home And Jill said no Because it was five minutes Which is totally reasonable And as I said It was a very busy road She was walking down the street And um, footage collected From one of the wedding dress shops Where an internal CCTV camera Happened to be directed Onto the street Shows us that At one point A man in a blue hoodie Approached Jill And um, started talking to her they had a brief inf- interaction. We later found out that the man was basically approaching her, kind of hassling her, and um, she rejected him. Uh, that man was Adrian Bailey, a 41-year-old. And um, after Jill rejected him, he followed her down the street, turned violent. And shortly uh, shortly after that, on Hope Street off Sydney Road, Jill Mara was raped and murdered. Now, just casting your mind back, before the reasons that we're here today,
3: to Jill, mm. if I was to meet Jill, say two years ago, mm. what sort of person would I have met?
0: You would have met. Um, sorry, sorry. You would have met the funniest girl in the world. Sorry. It's okay. <laughs>
2: um.
0: Excuse me. She was. Uh, she was incredibly funny, incredibly witty, and. Um, just so smart and intelligent that she was the uh, she was she just brightened up any room she was in
2: The search over the weekend was um, Tom raised the alarm at 4am when he woke and Jill hadn't returned back early that Saturday morning. There was a search over the weekend, a lot of her colleagues from uh, ABC were putting up stuff on social media Um, missing posters went up around Brunswick with what now is unfortunately that iconic picture of Jill where she has the red lipstick on and she's smiling On Monday then her purse appeared on, uh, on Hope Street which caused a lot of concern because police were full sure that when they We were searching earlier. earlier that weekend it hadn't been there and when Tom was walking to his car because obviously he lived really near the site where she died he was telling reporters like through tears that it was just getting worse and this caused a huge amount of concern after that Victoria Police pled with all of the businesses along uh, Sydney Road to look for their CCTV that's where the video emerged it was shared widely across social media and that led police to Adrian Bailey so on the Thursday after Jill went missing he appeared at a packed Melbourne Magistrates Court Um, and uh, through his confession that Victoria Police managed to uh, secure they were led to the site of Jill's body which was about 40 kilometres outside of Melbourne and um, unfortunately her body had been left in a a shallow grave off of a dirt road
1: And Early Walsh, reporter with uh, Nine News in Australia you remember the coverage of the story at the time
3: Well, it was a crime that reverberated around Melbourne and it was a crime that shocked the nation. It certainly shocked Australia because Jill Ma was only 29 years old when her life was cut short, you know, far too young. And the days when she was missing, um, the country waited with bated breath, desperately waiting uh, for answers. It was almost unbearable during those first few days. And of course, more and more time passed and that sense of dread grew. Um, but I think the outpouring of grief was very, very real when her body was discovered and when it was realized that she had been murdered. I think as a woman, we all thought, this could have been me, this could have been my sister or my friend or someone I know, because in Jill, we could sort of see ourselves, you know, a bright, happy, ordinary young person out just enjoying a night out with colleagues, just trying to get home safely. And the fact that this terrible crime happened to someone who we thought was just so relatively normal um, on a street that we thought was relatively safe, uh, where many of us have gone out and had fun in the past, I think that was what really cemented it and hit home to so many people across the country.
1: And that CCTV was really... The breakthrough in the whole case, wasn't it?
3: So security camera footage, which was shot outside a boutique or a shop, showed a brief interaction between Jill Ma and also her killer, which was actually Adrian Bailey. Now this was the key that would lead police to Adrian Bailey. So on top of everything, I think it was a feeling that uh, the safety in our city was broken because this was a normal street, this was a normal night out and yet this CCTV captured this interaction between a young Jill Ma and this relatively normal-looking bloke because he's walking down the street as well. But then you saw a flash of him sort of running after Jill on another set of cameras. And I think that was the key indication that would lead police to Adrian Bailey. Of course, it only took six days to catch Gilmar's killer and about six hours for him to confess, let alone six minutes for a judge to remand him in custody. The CCTV really was a crucial point in the investigation for police.
0: It's not the way anybody, wanted this story to end up, in particular, of course, Jill's family and members of of her family in Ireland have released a statement.
1: We are devastated. We are heartbroken. She was the first grandchild my mother had. There are no words to describe how we feel at what has happened. We acknowledge the role that social media has played in the search for Jill. We believe that it has helped us in the search, but it's not the outcome that we had hoped and prayed for. We thank the people around the world who have helped support us. Ellen, I think at one point the police had to ask people to stop showing, playing, spreading the CCTV because it was on a reel apparently it was playing played pretty much every 10, 11 seconds in Australia on some social media site.
2: That's right. I mean, I know that the story was obviously huge here but I think sometimes it's hard for us to grasp just how massive this was in Australia. The week after her death social media analysis showed that I think every 10 seconds on Twitter or Facebook her name was being mentioned and at first that was really helpful because police said that social media made it, played a huge role in helping them find her killer. But the... The grief and the sympathy soon turned to rage and a lot of people started um, identifying her killer on social media um, to the degree that Tom Marr and Victoria Police actually had to ask the public to hold back because they thought if her killer pled guilty, um, the case might be destroyed by what people were saying on social media. But I think that the the degree of anger was natural and understandable, particularly when it emerged. what kind of criminal history Adrian Bailey had had at the time of her death,
1: and that's it, early, isn't it? He was pretty notorious even before the murder of Jill Mar.
3: He was already on the radar for police when Jill Maher went missing, um, a notorious rapist. But actually, before he became a suspect, Jill's husband, Tom Mar or coming to terms with this highly publicised disappearance of his wife, he actually became suspect number one during the very beginning. But it didn't take long for the investigations to shift their, their focus to Bailey, of course, a notorious sex offender who had a decades-long history of rape and of violence.
1: Ellen, an early mentioned there that at one point Tom Marr was the suspect, and, and that's very common in police investigations when a woman goes missing that the spouse or the partner is the first person they look at as as a suspect but that must have been incredibly hard for him with all the media attention i remember the cameras been packed it's out, parked outside the house how did that play out
2: right at the moment when his wife had gone missing his life was being turned upside down and forensically investigated by police. And in the years after her death, uh, there was a lot of reports from Australian crime reporters that there was actually a huge amount of guilt on the part of Australian police for the fact that they had to investigate Tom so thoroughly.
0: It took ages to kind of tear, um, to kind of separate my memories of her from what happened to her, you know? It's, so it's, it's, it's difficult to separate, but you know, it's, it's, worth, it's worth it to try. It's worth it to, to remember Jill. So that's what I try to do. Um, it's never, it's never that part of it's never over until you finally see that monster gone. You know, so um, I, I want to, I, I want to think of Jill. I don't want to think of him.
2: After Jill passed away, Tom really became a huge advocate um, against violence against women and particularly in the role that male violence plays. And he wrote a really incredible essay in 2014 where he pointed out like he almost had this sense of guilt over the fact that cases like Jill's, cases of, you know, women being um, attacked by strangers attract so much attention. And he was making the point that it's very hard to deal with the fact that you can't sustain that level of public interest for an awful way to say it, but the more common examples of women dying and we know that the vast majority of those are at the hands of a current or former partner so I think he made it clear there that he understood just why he had to be investigated but through his work the work that he did advocating against violence against women you know Tom was always kind of making that point that what happened to Jill is an anomaly you know this kind of myth of um, people going around who are evil monsters doesn't really match the reality of male violence where the perpetrators of these heinous crimes can often to the rest of us just seem like completely normal men.
1: I remember being a reporter in the Evening Herald at the time of Jill's disappearance and it was on the front page here day after day after day. It was a huge story with the obvious strong Irish links to both herself and her family and Tom and his family in Dublin. It's unusual to get a story that impacts two countries so huge. I mean, sometimes we're a small country, so, you know, these stories shock and and there's a real community drive but it's unusual for Australia to be as as grabbed by a story and I know that from having lived there myself in the past so how did the reaction here versus Australia differ do you think?
2: I suppose in a lot of ways they were nearly the same and to go back to the social media element there was actually a lot of kind of Australian and Irish communities nearly consoling each other and com- coming together literally across the world. I mean if you look at the Australian coverage people were saying that the Jill Mar case was being discussed at a scale normally only reserved for natural disasters in Australia and people were in such a state of anguish that they just really wanted to do something so I think that's why one of the legacies of the Jill Mar case is the fact. That per- rules around parole were it became much stricter. On that street, Sydney Road, a lot more CCTV cameras were installed. But even as recently as a few years ago, there was a discussion about taking them down because they hadn't actually been shown to reduce crime at all and I suppose the fact of the matter is when things like this happen we all kind of scramble to do something we all want to be able to say you know never again but the reality is that the things that lead to these sorts of heinous crimes are much harder to unravel because male violence is so endemic, whether it's in Ireland, whether it's in Australia, whether it's anywhere else. We know that since Jill Maher's case, there have been multiple high profile cases of women dying when they're walking home. And I mean, if you look at Eurydice Stixon, 22, who was raped and murdered in 2018 in Melbourne, she had just texted her boyfriend, I'm nearly home. Uh, A few months later, Aya Mazarwi, who's 21, uh, had just got off a tram in Melbourne and she was actually on a face time call with her sister when she was attacked every single woman listening to this can relate to that like I got off the dark last night and text my boyfriend I'm almost home you do all of these things as a mundane routine part of your life but the reason that these cases shake us and the reason that we're still talking about them 10 years on is because they make us feel that we have been taking our safety for granted every single day when we're just doing things that are just what we assume to be normal parts of our lives.
1: And Early, I know in the last few days, there has been a conversation again in Australia. There's been a lot of coverage of the case again. What do you think a decade later is Jill Maher's legacy there?
3: Well, the impact of Jill's death on Australia was palpable. I mean, tens of thousands of people marched down the main street in Victoria, the main street in Melbourne on a communal outpouring of grief, anger and shock. And this was a crowd that stretched out for more than a kilometre with, you know, families, with children, couples, people holding handmade signs, you know, that read no violence and remember Jill Maher. And it was also, you know, it was twofold. It was, both a desperate plea, but it was also a promise that that this shouldn't have happened and this can't happen again. So as a result, there were new laws brought into place, but bigger changes come from understanding women's roles in society and those threads that lead everywhere. But you can't talk about those things in isolation because you almost needed to have a bigger conversation. and, And I think these unfortunate events triggered that bigger conversation and that led to various changes.
1: And so early 10 years on what way has the anniversary been covered I know in the last few days there has been some coverage people have been remembering what is the feeling now about Jill Mars' death Look
3: the outpouring of grief then was so real but it still really is now even 10 years on because this was a 29 year old whose life was cut so desperately short and so I think in the last few days Australia has remembered her they've paid tribute to her young 29 years of life and they want her to be remembered and so there has been a lot of discussion you know have Have we made enough changes? Has Australia grown? Is there still unnecessary violence against women? What more can be done to ensure that this never happens again? And this is a conversation that unfortunately is still being had.
1: My thanks to Ellen Coyne and Early Walsh for joining me today. I'm Kevin Doyle and today's episode of the Indo Daily was produced by Mary Carroll, researched by Garrett Mulhall, with sound by Gavin Hennessy. Archive clips were from ABC, RTE, The Herald Sun and Studio 10. If you enjoy the Indo Daily, don't forget to like, follow and leave us a review.